Welcome to American Redemption, the show where the next generation of American patriots learn to fight back in America's toughest cultural battles. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 17 of the American Redemption podcast. I'm here with Stephen, as always. Stephen, how's it going? You told me you didn't know what episode it was when we started. But you put it up there at the top for me, so now I know. (laughs) I think it's episode 17. Could be. I'm like 95% sure, but either way, it's going to be a great show today. Yeah, we have a guest on today. My friend Connor is here. Connor, say hello. Gentlemen, it's good to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So the first time I met Connor, he was wearing a banana suit. <laughs> he didn't hesitate even a second to, to share this story. And now he's going to be talking to us about why everyone should be a philosopher. The man in the banana suit. See, I, I feel like that's how I know he understands philosophy. It's because <laughs> he's the man in the banana suit. He's willing to go I, out I wouldn't. I wouldn't accept uh, any philosophical reasoning from someone who wasn't in a banana suit, to be honest with you. (laughs) That's a good rule to live by, Stephen. I agree. Um, I find philosophy appealing as a banana. Um, And Uh, I continue to talk about (laughs) philosophy, even in my banana suit. Um, What kind of school do bananas go to? Uh, well, that's a good question. I, I have no idea. Is this a joke or a philosophy question? <laughs> Sunday school. <laughs> Sunday school. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I actually had a list of banana jokes for. So, so to clarify, this was a Halloween costume. This was no um, unacceptable occasion. Well, that I was. That's because there is no unacceptable occasion for wearing banana <laughs> costume. If I had a banana costume, I would wear it everywhere. <laughs> I actually went to a friend's. Um, uh, a friend's wedding what's the what's it before like right after a wedding reception uh, reception thank you in a banana costume because it was it was the weekend of halloween so i figured it'd be appropriate everyone would be costumed right. and i was the only one only one in a costume at a wedding wow but you know that's awesome you know, you'll always be remembered as the man <laughs> in the banana costume <laughs> that's awesome but all right let's get into it so give us your pitch or tell us a little bit about yourself too. Yeah, yeah. So I am, um, and since that occasion, we've just become friends. And um, uh, yeah, I think we both have the same, we share the same love of uh, uh, exploring God's wisdom and coming to know him through thought, through reasoning. Um, so I'm, you know, that's why I was, I was excited to come on with you guys and, and be able to talk about this. But so I am a, um, I'm 26. I'm a fourth-year-old, fourth-year medical student at Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, um, and I'm hoping to go into oncology. So we have a match day coming up in 18 days, where you, we all get together, open up an envelope, and you find out um, where you'll be next year. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. And I can talk about like uh, real quickly, like my conversion story. Okay, sure. Back. Go ahead. So um, when I was, I was actually. I was raised through the sacraments and the faith, um, but honestly, most of my life, I never believed. Uh, it's, I think probably from the age of reason on, I was an atheist. Wow. Um, especially when going to, to undergrad studying biology, I, I was fascinated by the truths and that, that lied within evolution, the complexity of it. Um, I didn't see any, any way that it could be compatible with any faith in God. Um, which I, you know, later found out upon reading Thomas Aquinas, that is evidently not the case. Um, but I, when I was 21, when I was a senior at Temple, after living living three years of, of the college lifestyle, um, you know, uh, I, I basically, I, I met this new group of people at the Temple Newman Center who were joyful, even on the weekends, um, just being themselves. And they didn't have to go out. Alcohol didn't need to be involved. And... Uh, it was, it was truly, it was just so different. So other, uh, other than the world. And, um, of course with that came a lot of like intellectual seeking, uh, reading the gospels for the first time, um, coming across the five proofs for the existence of God, mm-hmm. Aquinas's five proofs. Um, and take, I took a cosmos class that was very influential in my conversion to Christianity, um, conversion to theism, 
from atheism and then eventually towards Christianity, um, towards Catholicism. So, wow, very cool. Yeah. I would love to talk more about the, uh, the evolution stuff sometimes. Yeah, because I don't know yeah. a lot about that, but I've been looking into it. It's fascinating stuff. And I was I was shocked to come into the church and and find so many people didn't believe in evolution. Uh, they they look at me like I was crazy when I talked about it. So. But it's it's super complicated and 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 super nuanced and to to tie the two together is, I mean you, at the at the heart of it is the fact that Genesis is an allegory um, because it's it's impossible to reconcile evolution appropriately with um, we can cut this out if you <laughs> if you don't want but um, yeah without without that um, presumption I see okay whereas the other approach is that. Genesis is historical. It's a historical narrative. Yeah, that's great. Anyways, <clears throat> let's get into the topic. Uh, why should everyone be a philosopher? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, or should everyone be a philosopher, I guess, is a, is a question as well, right? That's um, true. But I, so let's start with like what philosophy is, I think, because a, a lot of pe- people have misconceptions about what philosophy is and i think probably just think it's boring yeah and i think it's also seen as this extremely intellectual pursuit so maybe we can kind of yeah it's this idea of the big brain big brain professor but we'll kind of demystify it and uh show that it's for your everyday man yeah and that's 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 a great point because people do philosophize whether they they realize it or not being a self-reflective human being you are in some way philosophizing right i mean that's so Aristotle uh, says philosophy begins in wonder, begins in wonder. So it's, philosophy is questions of the mysteries. Uh, and it, it differs, you could say, it veers from the uh, sort of empirical framework of um, modern science and mathematics, which is very like here now. Um, you know, philosophy is all about the 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 cause at which we wonder right and so i think the, the part of the reason like philosophy is um could, could, should play a role in every everyone's life is because who doesn't ponder the questions of what happens after we die is there a god uh which direction should i take my life in right those are philosophical questions mm-hmm. at heart um so what i but, but i will say so i love this definition of what philosophy is um, I get this from my friend who is a former seminarian. He studied philosophy in, in the seminary at St. Charles. Uh, okay, so, he's, so it's the rational inquiry into life's deepest questions, including the nature of reality, the nature of human knowledge, and human fulfillment. And so in those three, it covers the three branches of philosophy. So the, so the nature of reality or okay. being would, is metaphysics, okay. right? Being qua being, like what it even means to exist. Um, we can talk more about that. Um, the nature of human knowledge, epistemology, episteme in um, Greek is just, is knowledge, right? So the study of how we attain knowledge. Um, and then the third one, um, human fulfillment, which is ethics. So okay. philosophy branches into three categories, metaphysics, epistemology, and ethics. And then from there, so metaphysics very much touching on like, Think of the trans the three transcendental transcendentals. Thank you, transcendentals of the faith, um, uh, beauty, goodness, and truth. Right. So we can see that they exist as they manifest themselves in our world, right. but we don't know much about them, and they lie beyond the, the horizon of our vision. Right. Um, epistemology branches into rationalism and empiricism. So rational, some of the rationalist philosophies. Uh, Rene Descartes, Leibniz, Spinoza, um, and it's very much based in in the deductive approach of understanding knowledge. Um, and then it, the empiricists, David Hume, um, Locke, Thomas Hobbes, Berkeley, the, that's inductive reasoning mostly. Um, and so I think those terms, in, deductive, inductive, and abductive, we could talk about. Those. Yeah, I was confused. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, the best way, honestly, to, to understand them, I think, is, is examples. Um, there's one that I like about swans. So if you were to say, all swans are white, Daisy is a swan, therefore Daisy is white. So that's a proper syllogism that is uh, a deductive syllogism. Okay. Yeah. And then induction, this is the scientific method, right? So Daisy is a, 
is a swan in white. Um, Danny is a swan in white and Dante is a swan in white. Therefore, all swans are white. Okay. Would be inductive. Abductive, uh, which is, which is, um, that valid, but not formal, I believe. So, so it's not, it's not a proper way of reasoning, but if you were to put forth the premise, all swans are white, Daisy is a swan or sorry, all swans are white. Daisy is white. Therefore, Daisy is a swan. Okay. Obviously, it doesn't hold. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are just, so yeah, if you think of like empiricism, empiricism is what we observe, right? So the empiricists believe that all knowledge we attain um, comes from our experience, comes from experiential learning. The uh, rationalists believe that, like Descartes, um, believe that a lot of what we know is actually in our brain mm-hmm. uh, before we even come to sense the world itself. We talked about this previously in our science episode about the empiricism and the rationalism and how those have kind of became separated because I think the, the Greeks held them hand in hand. They hmm. tried to use reason because they, they believed nature was intelligible, so they would observe things, but then they would look to the reasoning behind it to try to understand what's really beneath the surface. Yeah, yeah. And I, a lot of people point to, um, you know, that famous painting of, oh, I can't remember the name of it, but of Aristotle and Plato and, and Plato pointing to the ground as being, um, that's a bit your big, I guess you could say your big divide in, in the sort of Greek tradition of um, Aristotle taking on much of what Plato teaches in, in the forms and whatnot, but saying that the forms are actually embodied in the, the thing itself, right? So, so him pointing down as a biologist um, to to the observable versus Plato pointing up to the forms, which which were in wow. his belief transcendent. That's cool. I didn't know the meaning behind that painting. That's yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a beautiful painting. Okay. We so we so we talked about like I just kind of gave a brief uh, brief like branch of the sections of philosophy. Um, what else? Let's see. Stephen, any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting how the we, we talked about inductive, deductive, and abduct abductive, right? Yeah. Th- those were the three. And just just to clarify, d- deductive was uh, basically we make assumptions like based on our own experience, correct? Um, deductive is like you, it's already in your brain. So like, Oh, so, so in inductive it is. That's right. Yeah. The, okay. the experience one. I, I just think that's, that's interesting how, how that ties into what we see a lot of today. A lot of people who I guess would, uh, see themselves as maybe, um, uh, left wing today would pretty much all subscribe to that inductive line of thought where everything is about my lived experience. Whereas a lot of people uh, from, from at least my perspective, deductive reasoning would be uh, a lot of things are just inherent truths. I don't think there's a lot of there's some things that I think obviously you make decisions on because of your lived experience, but I think there's a lot of things that just are because they are. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting um, point. And, and th- so that would be more in line with the rationalists. I think, um, I think a good example of that is, uh, so a de- deductive arguments I've always found hard to, or examples, sorry, examples of deductive reasoning I've always been hard to come up with, but um Descartes has one, so like his proof for the existence of God. He ultimately dispelled of everything that he knew or, he, or everything that he believed to be true um, and then fell back on this premise and you know, found this as like his foundational one. He knew he exists, cogito ergo sum, I think therefore I am, right? So yeah. just by, by his thought, by his doubt that he's even, that he's not being tricked by some sort of demon um, into, into his own, exi- like by his own existence. So... He, he, he said, I guess, essentially, um, this world that I'm seeing could be an illusion that, I, that a demon is tricking me into believing. But the fact that I can doubt that that's the case 
tells me I, exi- I must exist mm-hmm. because I can't doubt, right? Uh, that reminds me of when people are like, you know, if someone thinks they're crazy, they're probably not crazy because a crazy person <laughs> wouldn't think they're would crazy. would never think they're crazy. That's right. Yeah, I'm very schizophrenic. Uh, <laughs> the microwave really is talking to me. <laughs> so is there a way to kind of categorize the major political ideologies using those lines of reasoning? Like, do we see the left using inductive more? Would you say that's generally true? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, so honestly, Stephen, what you're saying made me think of, um, I, I, I think a lot of people, empiricism is, is, the, is the modern mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it ties in directly with scientism, right? right? Which is a, is a, um, like you could say a fallacy of, of the mindset of like every postmodern millennial, yeah. but, um, scientism being the belief that science is the only path to truth. Um, it, and it ultimately the, like the difficulty therein lies in the fact that it has no, it detaches science from its metaphysical framework. It has no place in which it's situated. Right. So like, like using science, using biology, physics, chemistry, like how can you articulate what meaning, how using just those things, how can you articulate um, what d- connection that has to meaning and truth? I don't know. That's what Sam Harris is trying to do. <laughs> I, and ultimately the only, you, you need philosophy. The science has to be based in philosophy, right? And, and it's yeah. interesting going through biology, like I didn't have to take any courses in the philosophy of science, but it is a whole subject in itself. Yeah. I'm in STEM and I had a, a week of uh, lectures on ethics. That was it. Wow. That's, that's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Like science itself, you're looking at the world, trying to say uh, what it is. This is what the world is, but you're absenting yourself from it, right? We are subjects that we're, we are part of the experiment that we're studying, right? Which presents a difficulty for science. But at the end of the day, it works. Um, you know, empiricism, like the, the difficulty with the inductive method is that you, you can never definitively prove that something is, is true. Uh, but I don't think science necessarily, scientific like, problems necessarily need that claim because if we know their work mm-hmm. they work it's just a it's just a matter of probability right so this this ties into the i think the central claim of postmodernism which is that you can't really know what truth is um with about meaning and ideas and stuff because they're all using scientism they say you know we, we can't know the truth about how society should best function and things like that because they don't believe it can be it can't be determined scientifically so therefore they think there is no truth mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. right and and so that that's based on the presumption that science is your only path to truth right, right. Science is the only way to prove something well i mean and they don't even believe that themselves right because um think of all the the things just in our day-to-day life that we believe but we have no evidence for and we've never truly thoroughly researched ourselves so, i mean you um, yeah, and, and, and every, even the secular, um, have to have faith to live in this world, right? Just driving down the street, you have faith that someone doesn't cross over the line and smash into you. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, it's interesting. I was just reading a little bit about the French Revolution, and that's when this um, cult of reason started. That's what they called their opposition movement to Catholicism was the cult of reason. And one of the first things they did was they shut down Notre Dame and made it the temple of reason. And they brought in like, like they had a goddess that people worshiped. Mm-hmm. They, they couldn't escape something belief, belief beyond the material, even in the cult of reason. Mm-hmm. And everyone be a philosopher. Is that a way to combat scientism? If we had more people who were thinking about these things? Yeah. And I think, um, that's a great question. Ultimately, like people look to science for, for most of our answers, at least that's the way we live our lives in this modern world. Uh, but, but science will never provide you the answers of how do I live my life? How do you be a good person? Is there an, does God exist? Right. Um, is there a best way to live, which is, uh, you know, goes all the way back to Aristotle in eudaimonia, human flourishing. This is the best way to live, he says. Mm-hmm. Virtue is the mean between the average between two extremes, um, and I think people will find 
people ultimately like, yeah, if you, sorry, I'm trying to think of your original question. Um, yeah, is a population of, of philosophers, is that going to help us combat scientism? Oh, okay. Uh, but I think what is more is, is by reading. Uh, so most of the thoughts that we have today have been had by philosophers ages yeah. before us. Uh, I, I, I find that at least. I don't have many no, original I've, yeah, thoughts. I've noticed that too. I'll have a question that'll just be like, Aristotle eating away at me. Two thousand years ago. Yeah, then you can find that Aristotle or Aquinas or one of those other great minds thought of it and has a really good answer. Although I think it is useful to think about them yourself for a while, for as long as you can before looking up. Agreed. Yeah. answer. Because then you 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 come to your own answer and uh, you find your own meaning in in the conclusion you arrive at. Um, there's a quote that all European philosophy consists of a series of footnotes to Plato. <laughs> wow. But, um, yeah, they had the benefit of being first. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, uh, I think, so existentialism has always been a philosophy that's caught my particular interest. Um, existence precedes essence. So essentially you're born and you determine who you become based on the decisions that you make in life. It's a very simple thing that many of us have contemplated before, but, but, um, a philosophy that, that really boomed in like after Kierkegaard, Soren Kierkegaard. Um, and he talks a lot about like subject. He maybe pushes a little too far towards relativism, but, um, but I wouldn't say he's by any means, he's a relativist. Um, but he talks about subjective meaning, subjective truth. So like if he, I think he says, if uh, objective truth were to stand naked and cold in front of me, but it has no care whether or not I recognize it or not. What does that mean to me? Right. So like knowledge unapplied is useless, essentially, is, is what he's saying. Unless it, it, it transforms the experiencer, it doesn't really um, carry much too much weight. Hmm. So, yeah, he's saying knowledge in a, in a vacuum doesn't really do anything. For yeah. Yeah. And I think that I mean, that's true with like. Uh, many people read books, but they're not willing to assimilate the things that they learn from the book. Oh yeah. That's a really good point. With all the internet resources we have, you can learn about anything. Mm -hmm. People are always reading business books or self-help books or, you know, uh, going to conferences and talks. But if you don't take anything away from it, if you don't implement it, yeah. What good does it do? What good does it do? And especially when it comes to ethics, right? Because, um, you could be, uh, a Kantian scholar and no deontology like the back of your hand, but it, it, it is of no use unless, um, unless you live it. Right. So philosophy yeah. lived. Um, and I think that's really the appeal of philosophy is, is it draws people in because, uh, how, what, how can I better live my life? Right. How can I better reach happiness? Um, and what was I just going to say? You, what you were talking about. Oh yeah. So we're not just passive receptacles, right? We don't, information shouldn't just flow through us. It has to, it has to change you in some way. Mm -hmm. so. so yeah, these are probably all touching on thoughts that us, that we've all had, our listeners have had, I guess that does make everyone a philosopher if they're thinking about these kind of things or is it only a subset of the population? Do you think everyone can be? That's a good question. Well, I think everyone can be, right? Everyone can be a philosopher. Um, I mean, I guess kids, kids are natural philosophers. Yeah, absolutely. The question is why. Why, right? Yeah, why? Why? My little niece the other day, um, when I was doing homework, she's like, she, what are you doing? Kaka, she calls me. Uh, cow poop in Spanish. <laughs> but she says, Kaka, what are you doing? That's... I'm, I'm doing homework. Why? Uh, and then I actually had to think about it. Why? Well, so I do well on my test. Why? So I can pass and graduate med school <laughs> is what I, is yeah. I entertain the conversation. And you keep her. going that you keep going down the rabbit hole until you're at, start having existential crisis <laughs> <laughs> until you, you, you end up in starts forlornness, a state of, um, complete nihilism. Essentially. <laughs> it's really good to have someone ask you why though. Yeah. Like we often find ourselves in echo chambers where, you know, you, just bounce ideas back off each other. Um, I definitely find myself in around like-minded people all the time. So we just kind of say things and it's just like assume that 
it's true. And we all agree. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll talk to one of my other friends, my friend, Nick is really good about just like asking why. And I really have to take a step back and rationalize my belief. I have some beliefs that he thinks are definitely a little out there. And when he just asks mm-hmm. why it disarms me a little bit and I yeah. have to think about it. It sounds like uh, the narratives in all of Plato's books, right? Is it's sort of uh, the, and I think that there is a large appeal to the Socratic method. Most people. Oh yeah. That's ultimately how you um, discover and then, or uncover and then reject um, false propositions that we have in our lives. Yeah. Oh, this, yeah. It's so good. Or unjustified beliefs. Ask some questions too, and in a debate. Yeah. It mm-hmm. just can destroy people. <laughs> Own the lives. Own the lives by asking why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and. I think um, another thing that is unique about philosophy is that it, it, in, a, in an antithetical fashion to every other subject that we can learn in a university, it, it sometimes is best not learned in a classroom, right? So like studying, you have to make a, a, a sharp distinction between the history of philosophy and philosophy itself. You can study about philosophers and what they did and what they said um, and get many of your ideas or at least your food for thought from them. But um, philosophy, like the verb, the act of philosophizing is an act of contemplation, right? And um, you don't do that by, by reading biographies of other people. Um, yeah. So, but, but ultimately, it's, it's interesting. I, and that's why I, I've never pursued philosophy. Well, so, uh, what's the difference between a philosopher and a large pizza? Um, I guess... The pepperoni, probably. <laughs> a large pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> so that's oh, one wow. that's part of the reason. Wow. <laughs> I never right. pursued philosophy, but um, but also I think that like you, all, all of the the known philosophers throughout history did other things, and they did philosophy on the side. Right? Mm-hmm. They were, and and I think in our day to day, whatever job we do, um, it could be business, finance, it could be engineering. You, you go home and you analyze what the meaning behind the things you're doing and the decisions you're making is. Right. Yeah. Um, I guess that's another problem with all the distractions in the modern world. If people are not having this idle time where they might otherwise be thinking about those things, they're just plugging right into the. Yeah. There's, there's so much noise in your, your day to day life where a lot mm-hmm. of these philosophers of the past did have time where they were just able to sit back and observe the natural world around them to where they would start having some of these contemplations. So really to not, we're not saying don't ever use your technology, but in a sense that there is a good time to unplug and contemplate some of life's like greatest questions. That's, you know, for most people, the only true. time they have that is in shower. That's why there's this, <laughs> this concept of the shower. Uh, is that why you shower eight times a day? <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's nowhere else to go to think quietly. But my, my brother posted something on his, his private Snapchat story where he posts, you know, memes and stuff. Um, it was, or maybe it was his friend who posted it. They both post funny stuff. Mm-hmm. It was basically saying that a shower thought is just a normal thought for people who aren't completely plugged into the system all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, my, my, uh, my roommate said that to me the other day and it, it, it got my mind turning and I knew we were going to talk about this. And so the fact that like your brother's also on that, wow. <laughs> that, that that's funny. Same way. Mark. Uh, um, but you make me think of Stephen Blaise Pascal has a quote that uh, most of modern man's problems stem from his inability to sit in a dark room quietly by himself. Oh, or something like that. My friend has sent me that before. And yeah. cause I wanted to hang out when we were on this, we were at, at our college for the summer for a week and I wanted to hang out. He wanted to just be alone. And I was mad about that. And then he sent me that quote and maybe just sit in my room alone. <laughs> Cause he was trying to shame me. Yeah. But we find it to be so true, but it's hard. It's very hard to sit. Well, I at least am oh, more like you and want to be out talking to people. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, uh, we have to sit and recognize our own wickedness <laughs> what we're capable. I like you know, the, the, the restlessness that lies intrinsically in our heart. I don't know. Yeah. That's one of the appeals of getting out into uh, the woods for me too. Getting away from the noise. Into nature. Yeah. 
you know. <laughs> I would just call all nature the woods. I can see you flaunting <laughs> with the deer and <laughs> the birds out there. Oh yeah, Andrew. Next week, the uh, the I guess hiking day, adventure day that we have planned when you uh, finally uh, get down here to visit. Yeah, I'm going to be walking like a couple hundred yards behind you guys and not talking to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, Jackie's going to be like, what's Andrew's problem? I'm going to be like, we talked about this. <laughs> be like, it's because head. it's because you didn't listen to the latest episode. You have no idea. <laughs> you guys going to be hunting? No, I'm going to uh, to Nashville. A bunch of our friends are going down there. We're gonna we're gonna go in the woods for at least a couple hours, and you know, just get out in the mm-hmm. sun, mm-hmm. fresh air. It's a God's yeah. world. I have. Re- it's funny you ask about hunting. I recently went hunting for the first time with squirrel hunting, and um, <laughs> that's the time when you really have time to think. Just sitting against a tree, not supposed to make any noise, waiting for squirrels to come out. <laughs> but really, all I was thinking about is how I had never wanted to see a squirrel so badly in my life. And <laughs> I didn't see any. Every time, every time I no, every time I see a squirrel now, I think of you. I'm like, wow, I bet Andrew wishes he saw this squirrel. Okay, so wow, we're a little off track there, I think. Oh, Andrew, we're we're, no, we're right on track. track. (laughs) We also didn't talk about Andrew's performance yesterday. We're Connors. I have here the transcript. (laughs) Remind me the name. It's it's called Jalapeno. It's called Jalapeno. Um, this was Andrew's open mic night performance last night. We also had a, a, a parody of Wonderwall by <laughs> Oasis performed. Uh, but, oh, and here's the, <laughs> here's the counterpart, the better half, you could say. How, what was she, you guys' um, what were you guys trying to do with this? It's a parody of Hallelujah. You know, can, give, can you give us a, an example? Um, can you read some of the... Oh, the first ever live performance on the podcast. This Probably is unprecedented. Not. Oh, my goodness. My uh, singer's not here. <laughs> but it's to the tune of, of uh, Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just have to know, like, how it sounds, I think. Yeah, just give us, like, give us, like, a stanza or something. Let me let me get the uh, our singer, resident singer. I play the guitar. My roommate sings. John, you want to give it a whirl? You know it's a bad performance when people come up afterwards and ask, was that a parody or was that a real song? <laughs> do, you, do you actually want me to sing it? Yeah. Yeah, could yeah, you, know, you please? All right. Just like a little. All right, yeah, we'll do. Verse. What's the best verse that we got? Probably like three, maybe verse three. That's when the crowd oh, verse two wild is wild at verse three. Verse two is pretty good. Uh, all right, could somebody start me off? Because I forget how it goes. <laughs> you so, be... baby, uh, yeah. There okay, we go. So, how's the hallelujah go? Jalapeno, jalapeno. I'm assuming. <laughs> baby, I've been here before. I felt this burn and it left me sore. <laughs> Keep you going, left yeah. me all alone in the ICU. <laughs> the doc came in, it doesn't look good. And there I saw the priest, he stood. Confess for you over eight the jalapeno. Jalapeno, 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 jalapeno. How's your hearing now, Stephen? Oh, that was that was, that was beautiful. Bleeding. That was very. Good. I heard there was a secret sauce. Wow, we can't even go into that. Good job, that's, guys. That's golden right that there. That note he hit at the end was fantastic. He was doing great. He, he said really that note he hit at the end was. was oh really? Jalapeno. I, I was so nervous. <laughs> I, like, I like the verse too because it's like it's almost exactly like the uh, the real song. She tied you to the kitchen chair. She held a chip and said, don't despair. despair. And on your lips, she placed the jalapeno. So uh, Nick Tonneson, a friend of mine. Are you guys still on air right now? Yeah. Oh, this this is going in the episode. This is is gold. We played that original song at Holy Hour. Because I didn't realize oh, what no. the contents of the word. Yeah, I'm never gonna I don't think it's a very religious face. song. Yeah, I probably was not a fan of that one. That's for sure. Wait, tied like, you to the kitchen chair. <laughs> we wanted to change it to "She tied you to the Chipotle chair," <laughs> but like it didn't really fit. Yeah. That would be good. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it, was, we, it, was, it was an awesome performance, guys. You didn't even, <laughs> you didn't even see it. <laughs> I did have to leave the room a few times during it. <laughs> was it, it wasn't like a tire shoe moment, like it was cringe. Like, like, oh, I can't even look at like it. <laughs> got a phone call moment. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, Connor was very good, too. He was playing some John Mayer. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I was, some people were like a little confused. Was that actually John Mayer or was it Connor? <laughs> I don't, you know, but no, it Did you guys have like a backing track? Is that what it was here? Yeah. Was that just, it was just the drums and stuff? Or it was, was the, there it was the whole soundtrack to make up for not having a lead guitar and stuff. And where I mess up. Ah, smart. Yeah. Smart. Got a good cover up. Well, it sounded good. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's a great cover. That's what the ladies were saying too. We had a few, um, we had a few, um, Groupies following us around afterwards. Oh yeah, we're very familiar. Just don't let <laughs> we have jalapeno has, has been spreading like wildfire. Oh yeah, I saw it on iTunes this morning. <laughs> yeah, my agent kept calling me. You know, it's like we got so many offers. <laughs> it's like... Well, I mean, the same with this podcast. I think um, you guys would be knocking Father Mike Smiths off of number one pretty soon. Couldn't do that to Father Mike. <laughs> but my mom was a. a groupie for father Mike. Now she said that. So my, my grandma, apparently we always had the priest over for dinner. She was like a big priest fan. And my mom never understood that. But now with knowing or listening to father Mike Schmidt, she said she totally gets it. <laughs> yeah, my mom's a big Mike Schmitz fan too. Father Mike Schmitz, excuse me. <laughs> You're on a first name basis. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, back to philosophy. Yes. We, go? we have some um, points to cover, right? What have you guys seen the princess bride? I have not. Oh, okay. Okay. No, that's no, like no. a big line where it's like Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, morons. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. That's a great quote. Heresy. <laughs> that is heresy. I see why they had the death penalty for Harris, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not calling them morons. He's calling them. Oh, morons. I see. Yeah. I see. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, uh, okay. I, 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 yeah, I discredited that. That was out of context. <laughs> CNN over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, philosophy. Why is philosophy good? People need it in order to t- to take care of your soul. Right? Oh wow! Take care of your soul. That's that's a big point. You could, it allows you to steer yourself right where you've gone wrong. Question your own biases. Um, all important things for. Everybody I noticed some people um, do have more of like a, a blind faith and then other people really have to get into like the, the, weeds, the, yeah. the weeds and like look at the reasoning behind stuff. Are you the second type? You had to look into yeah. Aquinas' Compulsive rationalism. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I definitely am. And um, I think my faith comes from my reason. I would put myself in that camp too. I, I always have to know like the the rational explanation behind the beliefs. And that's... Yeah. Um, been a really strong backing for my faith. And one of the other really strong backings or kind of the, uh, the floor that I want to come back to is if you look at what the church teaches, I think that gives the best outcome for people, for families, for the world. And I look at all the ideas that are in opposition. They just lead to decay and people are unwell. And that's like, oh, that's always something like can bounce back up. Or they sell people short of what they can, they can actually achieve. The church, but the church's teachings are hard, you they know, and there's no denying that. Like, that's why it's, there's such a need for, for mercy, for his mercy. But, um, but you're so right. Like, if you seek, if you earnestly seek truth and righteousness in every aspect of life, you'll, you'll end up looking like something similar to what orthodox Catholicism is. And I love that there's a John Henry Newman quote. There's not... Um, 1,000 people who hate the Catholic Church, but there's millions who hate what they believe the Catholic Church to be. They oh, falsely believe the Catholic yeah. Church to be, right? Like, I think there's so many misconceptions about what we believe as Catholics. Um, and they think, you know, maybe we're like um, harsh and there's a lot of rules and there's, um, yeah, they're just like, and, and I think sometimes people falsely accuse the church of being discriminatory too. Um, there is a lot of rules, quote unquote rules in Catholicism, but they're, 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 um, guides, right? So like I think of a river with two banks, what gives a, a, a river, a fast flowing 
river, it's verve. It's it's the banks, right? So if you take the banks out, the water just disperses everywhere right. and has no direction with which mm. to flow. Um, or like guardrails in, on a road, right? What keeps you? What keeps you? Well, you hopefully, hopefully, not. hopefully, you're not relying on them, but but you <laughs> you stay within them, right? right. Um, and in the same way, the church is is a is a director. Wow, that's the river analogy is really yeah, makes me think of um, Jordan Peterson's chaos and order thing. One foot What's in that? chaos, one in order. Jordan Peterson thinks that the ideal life is lived with one foot in order and one foot in chaos on the border. Mm. And that's what the river is like. The river is chaos and the banks are order, giving you the direction, but then it's free flowing. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, J, the, the original JP, Jordan JP. Peterson. <laughs> the big dog. He does say that he, you know, he also, I love his podcast. Um, he talks about how the world is like infinite potentiality. There's plenty of potentiality to go around and it's, it's our job to, to, take that potential out and make it into actuality, right? Mm. So like there's a million different things you could do every day or, or, um, pursue. And, um, by accepting responsibility, by embracing responsibility, you, um, you have the opportunity to make this world either a little more like heaven or a little more like hell. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, I think what he says exactly. Key point though. He acknowledges that you can't make this world heaven because mm. that's when you get into utopianism, which, has been a disaster for the human race. George Orwell's in 1984. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I also, I, I hesitated to say that our, that reason brings us to faith because, because it'll never get you there completely. Right. And That's I, true. Augustine has, um, he's probably the opposite. He says, credo ut intelligam, which is, um, it is by, it is by faith that I'm able to believe. So he, he, so he's sort of premised in faith, um, but reason will get you very far. And, and that's more like the Thomistic sort of, uh, approach in the church. Right. But, but at the end of the day, I think you have to take a leap of faith because reason will never get you to a definitive. I know for sure that God exists. Right. That makes sense because, um, no, this, this, this is a, a fantastic point that, Connor just brought up because I've felt this similarly in, in my life where you, you contemplate something, you contemplate something, you're using reasoning and yeah, ultimately you have to take that, that leap of faith because I was mm -hmm. at a similar point in my life where I, I was raised Catholic and I got to a point in college or I would say I've told, I've told this story before where I, I question my belief system and um, I would say, yeah, I had some really bad things happen in, in my life where I had uh, death of someone who I was really close to and family situations that kind of just flipped my world on its head mm -hmm. and I wasn't believing and I was in really in a dark place and just started having more of these questions. And again, you can, you can reason and you can reason and you can reason, but ultimately yeah. you, you look at it and you say, well, what if I take that leap of faith? And yeah. And, and we, but there's like this natural intuition within us to try to explain the faith using reason, but it, it wouldn't, if it, if you could do that, it wouldn't be faith, right? The, the, yeah. By definition, faith has to be, um, a belief with the absence of evidence. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. Like, especially when it comes in trying times in our lives like that, you're describing Stephen, um, evidence does not compel beliefs and, 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 uh, it certainly won't fill your heart or, or heal your soul. Right. That's a really good point. You just said there. Evidence does not compel beliefs. We see that all the time. Most of what you see online in debates, YouTube videos, or people on the street debating, whatever, is presenting. They're presenting evidence that fits their beliefs. They're not mm -hmm. looking to base their beliefs off of evidence. Yeah, that's a right, confirmation bias. Yeah, that's yeah, a really yeah. good point. Um, we, we oftentimes, when we're researching a topic, we already know what we want to believe. Yeah, we're, we're just trying to convince to, ourselves. Just a matter of finding the evidence. Yeah. And we have to be careful that way. Or anchoring bias, where you, uh, the first thing you think of, the first thing 
first idea you have, you you have a natural proclivity to want to stick oh, with that. Totally. Um, uh, but yeah, evidence does not compel beliefs. Right? If it did, nobody would smoke. Right? Everybody knows smoking's bad for you, but it doesn't change anyone's actions. True. Uh, we all try to live according to our beliefs, but but fail. We come come up short. You know. Um, but a good ethicist, a astute ethicist, would not. So what do you think society would look like if everyone was a philosopher? Would it be better? <laughs> you know? I think so. I mean, yeah, in, in a perfect world, right? And Plato's... Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I like the idea of a philosopher king, but that's from Plato. Yeah, yep. He where... says the, the best, basically the best uh, ruler of a, of a nation would be a philosopher because... Um, because they, yeah, well, yeah they, you know, they have, they, they love the truth. They, 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 they seek truth, wisdom. Right? Philosophia, the love for the love of wisdom. So, uh, is that what, that is philosophy, philosophy means, love of wisdom? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah why actually, can't we have that? We have the worst possible leaders. Like politician is such a dirty word today because they're mostly criminals. Like when a terrible scandal happens to a politician, it's, you know, something that would just ruin a normal person's life just whatever so they're a politician mm-hmm. the statesman is not supposed to be that a statesman is supposed to be mm-hmm. from the best of society someone who is uh has upstanding character really strong morals and, and a, a virtuous person yeah yeah and that's that ultimately look at look at briefly the history of rome every roman emperor either died of um an overthrow right like a brutus type event or they killed themselves because they they lost power or various reasons, right? Um, why is that? Why ultimately, I think it is because power is self destructive. Power corrupts. This, this, this is the pursuit of power, at least. Um, it corrupts. There's not many people. That's what I think Plato says. Actually, is there's not many people who would be able to handle that power without becoming corrupt. Yeah, more or less. I totally agree. And the philosopher would be the best one to do that. He, that's yeah that's cool. yeah so i think the world would be um a better place if, if we were all questioning our biases constantly and if we were all truly seeking the good wherever we we saw and the truth right the transcendental was, was marcus aurelius a good emperor i know he's one of the five he's, good emperors the last, was he actually good yeah I, well so i i have heard and we'll have to fact check this um but that he persecuted Christians. <laughs> that being said, really? I read he was at best neutral or neutral on Christian, okay. Christianity, yeah. um, even slightly in favor because I think he won a battle. Um, you know, when all his troops converted to Christianity or something. Oh, are you? Th- are there, also, there's Constantine. 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 I know that one when oh, they, with the PX symbol. They all yeah, Chiral. Yeah, so, I feel like something like that. You know, I'm just going to stop here. I don't know. I'm not a historian. With that, might be making that up. But I read that. He, I looked into that. He was. He wasn't. No, he was no Constantine, but okay. he uh, yeah. he wasn't one of the really like Nero. Was that one of the ones who was just terrible? <laughs> Nero was, he was a bad guy. He was, yeah. he was yeah. no Nero. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Marcus Aurelius is great. Um, he's a Stoic philosopher, right? And uh, Marcus in Meditations. I, I'm still working my way through it. The best book because it's little. It's like his prayer book, his journal, essentially. It's little excerpts of. It could be one sentence. Mm-hmm. It could be like three sentences of his thoughts. Um, and he, yeah. And there's so much Stoicism in Christianity, um, so many so many themes of Stoicism that mm-hmm. lie within. I'll have to check that book out. That's a cool idea for us too, everyone listening. Just start writing down your little thoughts <laughs> in your notes app on your phone. Yeah, have some good stuff in there. And then it'll yeah. get published when you become a saint. So. <laughs> yeah. No, I I really agree with that. I really think Stoicism is. Uh, a little bit of like watered down Christianity or like without taking that like leap of faith where it, it mm-hmm. does have like a set of rules and talks about how we ought to live. And yeah. It's all yeah. about like bearing suffering too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to think of a good definition of stoicism for our listeners. But um, I, I guess you could say it's, um, it's external events can only affect me if I let them. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. And so the, I think the stark contrast between Christianity and, and stoicism would be that the stoic is in this world and not going to let themselves or their character be affected by the events that, that happen to them. Um, the Christian is in this world with the end goal of 
changing the world, making the world a better place. Oh, right? wow. We're called to action. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Stoic embraces the world that he already lies in. I like that you just said called to action because Stephen and I always finish every episode with a call to action. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yes. I was earlier you met, you said um, rational inquiry and, and a little light went off my head because that's like Stephen's favorite phrase recently. He's always <laughs> going, saying something about rational inquiry. It's important, man. <laughs> Question everything, man. That's right. <clears throat> so what what is your favorite philosophical topic to be asked about like if if like you're walking into a room with a banana suit on and someone comes up to you with a philosophical question that's just gonna like just gonna like absolutely like have you beaming like all across the room and like exactly you're 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 the right you're the ripest banana ever when you get asked this question Yeah, so the questions I find most appealing, uh, ah. by and large, are on apologetics. Like, why, uh, does does God exist? Um, and then, if so, how is Christianity true? I, I started when I'm during my conversion. Really, it was apologetics that, that led me there. Um, uh, and I, that word always, like, for people who are unfamiliar, always puts people off because apologetic sounds like you're like apologizing for something no it means something totally different so apology apologia just means to to give reason to so to give reason for your faith so that's a branch of philosophy oh no christian apologetics is like just like a right right okay, a category good. gotcha category, okay um, a topic similar but, way of thinking though yeah and 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 um it's basically yeah any anything what it would include is anything that um seeks to explain why Christianity is true. So we do a Christian apologetics all the time. We just don't think about it that way. Um, but yeah, so <clears throat> I think I, I love Thomas's five ways, right? The unmoved, the uncaused cause, the unmoved mover, um, the necessary being would be the third way. Fourth way, the perfect being. And um, uh, the fifth way, I can't remember, but, but it's teleology, essentially that we all are oriented towards an end. But yeah, so just thinking of, you know, if you're starting at the, the heart of it all, right, um, acknowledging that the Big Bang Theory is probably, at least so far as we know now, the, the mechanism through which our universe came to exist in 13.8 billion years ago. And um, when you talk about God as the force that set that into motion, yeah. um, the, but, but not just set it into motion and left us, but set us into motion and sustains us, right? Um, Aquinas makes that distinction because that was like a heresy back in his time to believe that sort of in a lordly snap of the fingers, God made us into existence. And then we just continue Quick to plug for uh, the big bang theory. My, my grandpa <laughs> went shelf? to oh. college or he, he went to the university of Louvain in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Um, his professor was George Lemaitre. No way. The, inventor, the monk, the, the Catholic the, monk. The, who was the Gregorian inventor. monk who many people don't even no is the inventor yeah he came the, up with that theory catholic catholic monk yeah uh, that's really cool it's cool physics is bringing people to catholicism in many ways my one friend he came back to the faith due to quantum physics hmm. that led him to the faith yeah dude the, so everyone should go on youtube and look up the double slit experiment and there's a this like quirky bad content like bad um quality animated video that's like five minutes on the double slit experiment but it blew my mind the findings of yeah the that, fact that yeah at least we'll put it in the, in the show notes absolutely um the fact that basically the findings of it were that by uh, by simply observing an electron before it passed through um it onto a sensor it, it changed the form that it took so the electron must have existed in a particle wave hybrid state and didn't didn't of course have any like actual locality until it was observed by a human. Yeah, it's crazy. Human sensor. It's absolutely and it to- totally shakes the foundation of modern science, which is based on causality, right? Um, also, it, it really um, it gets to the heart of empiricism because there's a lot you can't observe. Like if you can only, I don't, I'm not, not sure how to word phrase this, but. Like that experiment basically shows that it's not just about what you observe. There is something else going on that can never mm-hmm. be observed. Yeah. And that by observing it, I mean, that, that's really the, the, 
Einstein, Einstein refused to believe it when it was presented to him, quantum. Uh, he calls it, called it spooky science. And that's like the heart of it is it's terrifying. And it totally doesn't make sense to us to think that by observing something, we're changing its nature. That's wild. Yeah. Um, so, and, there's, and ultimately, like the task now of scientists and physicists is to reconcile gen, Einstein's general relativity, which seems to be true, with quantum. Yeah. And there the doesn't seem to be theory. a... Yeah, exactly. So to become a philosopher, you really just have to start asking questions. Anybody can do that. Kids are already great at it. But mm -hmm. what about if you just want to start learning about philosophy? Do you have any resources you recommend or specific branches to start with or specific philosophers to start with? Yeah, I think it's a matter of finding what what branch of philosophy catches your interest. Okay, yeah, that makes the most sense. You know, even if there's, quote unquote, the best place to start, it's not going to be, you know, Start with Aristotle for everyone. It's start right, what right. catches your interest. I agree. And then you yeah. Work. So just just real quick, go go back and name the three the three branches of philosophy we talked about at the at the beginning. And yeah, just for sure. Uh, so it's it's broken into um, metaphysics, uh, epistemology, how we know, how we learn, and then um, ethics. A lot of people draw the distinction between ethics and morals. Um, ethics is like a system that's a system of how to live, best live, that's put placed upon me or placed upon a society versus morals is sort of more a, um, your personal belief system. But ultimately, I mean, they're used interchangeably. I think okay. a lot of people equivocate the two. But um, yeah, so, so a, a lot of... The, what we like if you were to go to school for your degree in philosophy a lot of what um you would learn would be under under metaphysics right so there's another plato's forms aristotle and then um all the way up through those who made a mark on history emmanuel khan um and then the more recent ones i mean not not recent like <laughs> like Anne rand or whatever she uh that's just probably the most reason. But I think existentialism was really what caught um, my interest and, and then opened the door further into, um, into exploring philosophy because it was very much like, like it was, it was a, 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 um, it was a crude recognition of the consequences of free will, which I, I was very like, and always have been very, um, uh, committed to as an atheist and as a believer that we have the ability to shape uh, the direction our life unfolds in. Right? Um, and, and I think it also like, I recognize that, um, that without a purpose, we're very much lost in this world. And I think existentialism allows one to find meaning that uh, applies to them. And, um, to find a cause that you, you one would be worth, would be willing to die for. Right? I think that's that's wow. we we are all along for that like ultimate purpose in life. I uh, I'm glad you up free will because that's a very huge battle going on today, but not, not talked about very much. Um, Enlightenment thought and certain branches of Protestant thought, Calvinists do not believe in free will. It's rejected from both sides of the same coin. The Prot and Light coin reject free will. Only Catholicism has the fullness, under, the full understanding of free will, and the consequences of eliminating free will are very severe for society. Very severe, and I think most people have trouble would have trouble rejecting that. I mean, it's because it's it's self evident, right? Yeah. I'm not a, I don't believe in free will, but even if I did, what difference would it make? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, you're right. And free will is like. Is, is is at the heart of Catholic teaching. So, <clears throat> I I like what you talked about, uh, saying what causes you're 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 willing to to die for, and, and mm -hmm. re really reaching those deep levels of thought that a lot of people in their day to day life don't. I think that's one of the big reasons why Andrew and I started up the podcast is because we're passionate about this and we're passionate about having people think more critically and creating a better country that our children are ultimately going to grow up in. So 
I, I think that really brings it full circle into what American Redemption is all about and what philosophy is all about. And I, I just like how you tied that in there. Yeah. And, and I, I think a lot of people, like everyone is, feels that sort of unrest in our hearts that um, we're not completely at home. We're not Very completely satisfied. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think they look, Stephen, to your point, to the scientific, like post-scientific revolution, they look to, to medicine some, sometimes, for example. They look to science for the key to their missing happiness, right? The, the, um, the missing part of their heart. And it doesn't have an answer for them. I think I, I see that a lot in patients that we see. They'll come in and you can't find any particular physiologic binding for their pain or mm. symptoms. And it, really, a lot of it is just unhappiness. Spiritually anxiety. Well. Um, yeah. Exactly. Spiritually, you know, you, you, we need to care for our souls um, and to know that they're, they're loved, right? So we need to be able to love ourselves. Um, and many times we reject ourselves as that, but, but yeah, so, and, and it's basically, these are all the promises of the, of the scientific revolution, that it, it autonomy, right? You can, you can create your own happiness or provide happiness for yourself. Um, individual self-sufficiency, right? Uh, and then I think, that's very much where our world is now. This pragmatic, they're very pragmatic in how they think. Um, it's 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 about what you achieve while you're here, which is which is just not true at all. <laughs> yeah, because we all, you know, at the end of the day, end of the day, die, and the work that we um, did will be forgotten. Is is evanescent, right? I, there's, um, I love the quote. Bishop Barron says it a lot. He's, uh, many people climb the ladder of success only to realize it was placed up against the wrong wall. Oh, man. Imagine getting to the top. That's what causes just the deepest despair. Despair. Yep. Yeah. And how do we, so how do we not do that? Right. And I think if you're able to stop where you are every day, right. You honestly, every day you should be doing this and we should be doing this in, in prayer and in meditation um, and thinking, am I going in the direction I want to go in? Right. And, what could I be missing or what could I be doing differently? There's a, a pie chart I love where it's like, uh, like 99% is, or sorry. So like 0.1% is like things I know that I know. Right. And then 1% is things that I know that I don't know. And then 99% is shit that I don't know that I don't know. Right? <laughs> I mean, we don't, we'll learn. It's just the nature, right? Yeah. I mean, the only thing Socrates knew was that he knew nothing. Is that I knew nothing. Right. And, and we don't even realize how much we don't know because we just don't, yeah, think of it. No, no, I'm not, I mean, the more you learn, the more you realize you know nothing. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I think we could just keep going here for like for hours, <laughs> but time to wrap it up. Yeah. Call to action is start doing some philosophizing, do some thinking, maybe a little writing. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Connor. This was a this was a fun one. We enjoyed this. Thank you guys. It was a, it was a pleasure to be on uh, and enjoy these. This cheese, crackers, and chocolate milk. Yeah, that, we should let everyone know. Connor and I are sitting here with some chocolate milk, some cheese and crackers. Some pints with Aquinas. <laughs> Good stuff. But thanks, Stephen. Hey, you're welcome. Anytime, man. Yeah, I, I just wanted to say it was a pleasure having you on. Uh, I appreciated our first conversation because it was during, I guess, a little bit of a scare or a little bit of emergency I, I had there and you oh were, yeah and you were you were just very open to talk about things with me from the beginning you honestly brightened up my day a little bit talking about uh -huh. you guys preparing for the episode and thanks man that's sweet yeah I, I just want to say that yeah you're a good guy and it was good to have you on the podcast it was great meeting you hopefully we'll get to meet in person sometime oh sure uh, i'm Absolutely. Hey, you know, next week I'll just come down. Yeah, <laughs> Tennessee. No, I'm just kidding. But it'd be it'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna be a good doc, right? That's what. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'll I'll still be wearing my banana costume. Oh, patience yeah. will love that. White coat over top. You know? <laughs> yeah. Professional business on top. 
<laughs> that is an insult. <laughs> I, I don't know when he when when he becomes a do- when he becomes a doc man. Uh, doctor Bob's going to have some competition as the uh, the resident doctor of the podcast. Oh, how am I supposed to compete with Dad? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm um, I'm mushy on the inside. That's why I feel like bananas. Are uh, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> got a, a protective feel. Uh, all right guys all right we'll see you next time thanks <laughs> yeah could it tell everyone to like and subscribe or- oh yeah we gotta do all that so all right share this podcast give it a five-star rating and uh leave us- subscribe yeah, to the youtube channel eat subscribe to the eat some jalapenos subscribe to the uh spotify the rumble uh Leave us critical comments, question yes. everything, disagree yes. with us. Exactly. Please do. Yeah. No, disagree with us, but still give us five stars. <laughs> yes, that's the way. Thanks, guys.